today on Ag News Daily. Really, we're the first platform now to be able to quantify soil health and integrate in this data. And what we do is we integrate with multiple soil labs to be able to get this data into one usable platform. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Tech Tuesday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast, as well as Happy Ag Day. My name is Delaney Howell, joined by my co-host, Mike Pearson. Happy Ag Day, Delaney Howell. I understand you are celebrating Ag Day with a bit of important agriculture news that uh, definitely bodes well for you. Why don't you tell our listeners your exciting update? Yes, I didn't even realize that I was going to be selected as a candidate, but um, Ag Grad which is, of course, ran by Tim Hamrich, who we've had on the podcast before. The Future of Ag is his podcast and some of his work. Every year, he puts together an Ag Grad 30 Under 30 list, celebrating young leaders in agriculture. And I was nominated as part of this year's entrepreneurship class or division within the 30 Under 30. So there's, a, I think, six different categories. Production Ag is one of them. Entrepreneurship, all of them are... Not coming to mind right now, but uh, yeah, I was nominated for the entrepreneurship division, so very excited there. Very exciting and a well-deserved honor. Delaney Howell, you have started three companies so far in your tender young age, so I would say entrepreneurship is certainly in your wheelhouse. I guess it is. I never thought it was growing up, but uh, I think it's always because I thought things had to be brick and mortar, but that is not the case in today's day and age of technology. It's not. But Delaney, I also have exciting news, if you could permit me a moment to share. Oh, absolutely. Let's hear it. I am buying a couch today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is from, oh no, it is from the Facebook marketplace, as a lot of our listeners know, and folks who follow me at Pearson Cattle on Twitter know that my apartment in Chicago is furnished entirely with hand-me-downs and lawn furniture. But uh, today, we found a couch. How exciting. You're uh, very exciting. I mean, it's no it's no 30 under 30 list, but I'm too old to qualify. anyhow. You're basically living like a college student is what you're telling us. Yeah, this is I'm calling this my second adolescence. Oh, OK. Well, I mean, I guess we all have to grow up at some point. I guess so. And I'm starting with a couch. So I tell you what, Delaney, that is my update. We also have an update from Washington, D.C. If we can segue real quickly into some agricultural news. What do you think? Absolutely. So Iowa Senators Chuck Grassley and Joni Ernst have been very active in pushing the Trump administration to not appeal the court ruling that we have talked about repeatedly on this podcast, the ruling that would force the EPA to limit the use of small refinery biofuel waivers. And Senator Grassley was in contact with reporters earlier today. They asked him what he has heard from the Trump administration, given the struggles that the ethanol industry is facing. And he said, quote, we have not been told one way or another officially. So we're still seeing a lot of pressure on the Trump administration from a group of Texas lawmakers, including uh, most notably uh, Senator Ted Cruz, to encourage the Trump administration to appeal this decision, which would, if appealed and if successfully appealed, would allow the administration to go back to issuing you know, virtually unlimited small refinery exemptions, which have wreaked havoc on the ethanol industry over the past year. Now, both oil and gas companies, as well as ethanol companies, are really facing the squeeze in this coronavirus pandemic crackdown on driving. And so I'm sure the administration is trying to weigh both causes um, very carefully. But it, it's based on what we've seen from this administration with regard to ethanol, I'm not optimistic. I've got a feeling that the Cruz side is going to prevail. I think we will see the Trump administration um, 
will end up appealing this thing. Yeah, end up siding with maybe the oil folks, which isn't That's, great That would be my news. guess if I were a gambling man. Yeah, I would guess that you are unfortunately right. I think at the end of the day, money talks. But in other biofuel-related news... Poet is, of course, one of the biggest ethanol facilities in the United States. I believe they account for, I want to say, 10% or 5% of the nation's corn crop is purchased by Poet. And unfortunately, due to coronavirus, bad oil, bad, uh, bad prices in ethanol, etc., they have decided to close quite a few of their facilities over their seven-state radius. They have 28 facilities in total, and they haven't really released information on exactly how many of those locations are temporarily closed, but they said they're very actively evaluating biofuel production levels and making decisions day by day as to which facilities they will shut down. And it sounds like right now it is a temporary shutdown, but uh, not great news for the ethanol industry, which was then followed up by Renewable Fuels Association President and CEO Jeff Cooper. They put together some analysis last week that said in near term demand, they're expecting to see ethanol drop off 20 to 25 percent. Yeah, big drops, big drops in ethanol demand, which is certainly hurting corn basis bids, most notably across the eastern Corn Belt, but now it is spread pretty much everywhere. And the, the struggles are definitely being felt by growers who were hoping to maybe get some solid basis bids before the summer driving season began, which now might never begin. Yeah, unfortunately. I don't know. I have no idea how long this is going to last, but I guess I've talked to a few people who work in the healthcare industry and they think that COVID-19 is really just at the beginning of its peak. Ugh, boy, I hope yeah. they are wrong. But if anybody knows, it's folks in the healthcare world. Unfortunately, yes. Well, I tell you what, we've got um, some news just to highlight how devastating this has been. There was a firm called IHS Market, M-I-R-K-I-T, and they're a data firm. They look at uh, data, they compile a bunch of various indices about the health and strength of various industries both in the U.S. and globally, and they issued today their U.S. Composite Output Index, which is just a quick look at what's happening in the manufacturing and service sectors. And today, this report showed a reading of 40.05. So it's an index, so it's a point-based uh, uh, thing set from 1 to 100. 40.05 is the lowest reading ever. Published by this report, we were at 49.6 in February, and anything below 50 indicates a contraction in business activity. So they say this highlights the fact the market is not just slowing down, but it's actively contracting and shrinking, which certainly makes it look like this thing could be longer and more drawn out than people had initially anticipated. Yeah, I was reading some just pieces of news this morning. The Economist was one of them, but uh, they were looking at as we continue to see the Dow have fluctuating days and all the stock markets, they said if we continue to see this last until June, July, August, we'll likely see two quarters of contraction. And uh, that would point, in their opinions, to an economic recession. 
Absolutely. Delaney, now I have a little bit of an older story here. This one was published about 30 minutes ago. It's from Reuters, and I I don't think the information has changed in it. I just did a quick Google search. I do not believe we've had the stimulus bill pass out of the U.S. Senate yet. However, it is still expected to. Now, remember, listeners, this bill was expected to pass on Saturday. Then they retooled it. It was expected to pass on Monday. They retooled it again. It's expected to pass today. Stock markets are presently up on the day on the expectation that this bill is going to pass and that we could see $2 trillion worth of stimulus flow into the economy, both on the large-scale sectors, both in terms of corporate uh, loan guarantees, bailouts, this kind of thing, as well as on individual monies, the checks going out to individuals. We don't yet have all of the details yet, but supposedly – the Senate is going to try and vote on it yet again today, Delaney. So we will keep an eye on it. If they do, that will provide a much-needed influx of capital and hopefully reignite the market's fury and uh, get some things moving back to the upside, maybe get uh, get people feeling a little more comfortable as they're stuck at home in quarantine. Yeah, to uh, share a little bit more news on that, it has faced quite a bit of headwind from folks on the Democratic side of the aisle largely tied to figuring out how they're going to give emergency aid to those folks who need SNAP and food nutrition benefits. And apparently there has also been some opposition regarding replenishing the USDA's Commodity Credit Corp. And so quite a few folks have said, including um, Senate Agriculture Committee Chairman Debbie Stabenow of Michigan, have said that if they do replenish the CCC fund for this year. They need to change the way, change the structure in which that those funds get dispersed because they were concerned that over the past two MFP payments, funds were going to people who maybe didn't need them in all actuality or it wasn't fairly distributed amongst producers who actually needed those funds. It's interesting. That has been an argument. I've seen uh, various studies performed by economic services or economists at different universities, and all of them, at least the four that I have seen, came to the conclusion that soybean growers were overpaid based on the damage of this trade war. Now, it's hard to believe if you're a soybean grower, who, especially in the northern plains that saw your market in the Pacific Northwest completely disappear – but, um, th- yeah, there have been some questions about how MFP was calculated. So I can see why that would be a struggle. Hopefully they can get this thing resolved and get that stimulus going because I tell you what, things are at a slowdown, economically speaking, in the U.S., Delaney. However, things are starting to turn around in China. The world's biggest pork processor, WH Group Limited, reported on Tuesday a 32% jump over 2019 profits as record high pork prices in China boosted the value of the company's exports from the U.S. and lifted margins on their Chinese sales. So there is some positive news over there in China for pork processors. Now the question is, where are they going to get the rest of the pork to meet that demand and bring these high prices back down? And Once again, if China has to fulfill a $40 billion purchase commitment from the U.S., our pork's got to be looking mighty tasty. Uh, That it it would as it continues to fly off the shelves. I uh, think global demand is there as well, it sounds like. Absolutely, Delaney. I tell you what, I am all out of news for the day. Do you have any other stories we need to get to before we have our hashtag Tech Tuesday discussion? I am out as well. 
All right, folks. Well, before we jump into the Tech Tuesday discussion, let's have a quick look at where the markets closed today. Grains were up on the day, at least mixed on the day, but we did see the cattle market explosively higher one more time. But let's take a look at the grain markets to kick off the market outlook. May corn contract was up four cents. First time we've seen a really solid update in the corn market for some time. Crude was up on the day. That did help corn fare a little bit better in the markets. The May corn contract closed the day at 347 and a half. December new crop up one and a quarter to finish at 365 and a half. Over in soybeans, the May contract was up two cents. Not bad after yesterday's stupendous run. Finished the day at 886 even. The November contract up one and three quarters to close at 874 and a quarter. Over in the wheat pit, Chicago wheat was mixed on the day with the May contract down a penny at 561 and a half. December new crop up three quarters, closing the day at 563 even. Looking over at the world of livestock and what a world it is. Live cattle and feeder cattle both limit up on expanded limits today. So live cattle could trade up $4.50 today. All of the nearby contracts did. April live cattle up the daily trading limit of $4.50 to close at 106.15. The June also up 450, closing the day at 97.02 and a half. Now, feeder cattle. We had an interesting thing. Last night, before the markets opened today, CME raised the limit on the March contract only. There are two trading days left in the March contract before it goes into delivery. They raised the limit from $6.75, which would be the regular expanded limit, to $10 in an effort to promote full transparency in that market. The March contract did close $5 higher, finishing the day at one thirty twenty-two and a half. April up the standard trading limit of $6.75 to close at one thirty oh seven fifty, and the May also up $6.75 on the day to finish at one twenty nine fifty. All of those markets will again be trading expanded limits tomorrow. They do not expand any further. Looking at lean hogs, they didn't quite make the limit up move today. The April contract was up $1.85 at $66.42 half. The May up $2, closing the day at $65.87 and a half. Looking over at the dairy market, slow day in dairy. The March contract was unchanged at 1626. April also unchanged on the day at 1608. Delaney, why don't you tell us who we're talking to for today's hashtag Tech Tuesday conversation? Well, we're actually talking to another winner of AgGrad's 30 Under 30 in the Entrepreneurship category, and that is Mitchell Hora of Continuum Ag LLC to talk about his new data analytics tool. Well, for today's Hashtag Tech Tuesday episode, we're joined by Mitchell Hora, founder of Continuum Ag. And we've had Mitchell on the podcast quite a few times because, Mitchell, you are really focused and tuned into the soil health side of things. Yeah, soil health is uh, what we do. When we started, it wasn't necessarily the name of the game, but, but now it is. It just keeps showing up everywhere. It certainly does. And because of that, you've spent quite a bit of time creating this new tool called the Topsoil Tool. Tell us a little bit about that tool. Yeah, so when I started Continuum Ag, um, I was actually up at, at Iowa State, and it was 2015, started doing some analytics, and I had built a, a soil analytics platform just using Excel. Nothing fancy. I was using this new Haney soil health test that was really new. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of data out there. I was trying to interpret the info, so I built an Excel tool to, to help myself, and um, and that's where I was helping um, my first customer then was actually a group in South Africa, and I was helping to run their data too. And basically, we've gone from that Excel file to we needed um, some spatial analytics tools that we could use in the field. We could make maps and make variable rate recommendations to help out our farmers. 
So we started building our own platform. There wasn't really any, there's lots of data tools out there um, that a lot of farmers are using, you know, different tools that can help us to manage fertility, but none of them really manage soil health, meaning like really tying in the biological components of the soil, the carbon in the soil. That's been a big topic here recently. So, uh, so we just built our own, really built it for myself to begin with, but now we're you know, rolling it out where we can help out other um, agronomists, other independent consultants and, and farmers all over the world. And it's really exciting. It's been really neat to watch this thing grow, watch your footprint grow. When you look then, Mitchell, at soil analytics, you mentioned a few of the components that you're meshing into your new tool. But tell me, what does that mean and why should farmers care about their soil analytics? Yeah, so what we're looking at is we bring in all the tools to help a farmer to quantify and improve their soil health. And like I said, that is looking at the chemical components of the soil, like we've always looked at, phosphorus, potassium, pH, micronutrients. We're also looking at the biological components of the soil, biological activity through a CO2 analysis, CO2 burst. We're looking at organic carbon, which is food for microbes, more stable organic matter, stable organic carbon, and those are going to tie into the carbon markets and ecosystem markets that are that are coming about. Um, but putting all this into one platform, it's fully web-based and just trying to be super easy to use. You know, I'm a farmer myself. I farm down in southeast Iowa, and we're using this, you know, to really help out our own farm, um, put some dollars and cents to our soil health, our fertility management. And, um, you know, a lot of times farmers say, I don't get paid for soil health. Well, we can help you to better understand that soil health, to manage fertility, manage the expenses. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot of upside um, coming from the consumer-facing market, a more transparent market, a, a environmentally con- um, conscious market. And uh, we're just getting some data into this now. So it's been a lot of fun. And Mitchell, soil health and carbon sequestration, that whole thing has just blown up. It's been a really hot topic in agriculture. When you look at your tool in particular, what kind of things can you do as related to your carbon footprint through the through your tool? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm really excited that, you know, really we're the first platform now to be able to quantify soil health and integrate in this data. And what we do is we integrate with multiple soil labs to be able to get this data into one usable platform. We are tracking carbon over time, tracking biological activity over time, tracking nutrient availability over time so that we can learn from the data. Okay. So across agriculture, so many farms have tons of data. They've been collecting soil samples for decades. But when we look at that soil data, you look at it one time, you go through it with your ag retailer, and they say, yep, here's what you need, and here's the bill. <laughs> and they go spread the fertilizer, and it's based on, you know, they're, they're making money on it, which is great. It has helped us to feed more people and improve our farms. It's great. But what we're changing to is um, just putting more power in the hands of, of the farmer, in the hands of the independent consultant, saying, hey, here's the data. Here's what the data says you need to improve your farm. And improve not only yields, but improve your farm profitability per acre, improve your impact on carbon and that carbon sequestration you mentioned, improve our impact on water quality, 
improve our water use efficiency and our water holding capacity and improve our nutrient density of the crop, the actual quality of the crop and really moving away from the focus only on bushels produced, but to how it was produced and what is the impact of its production. So just putting that data um, all together and, and utilizing the bulk of information, like I said, we've been collecting for forever, but it's sitting in a binder in the farmer's desk drawer, right. and they haven't looked at it at all since that application was made. Well, now we're digitizing that info where it's still extremely actionable for the farmer and bring direct value today while also utilizing the group, utilizing the analytics, utilizing aggregated data to help us all over time. And the key thing, though, that I can't stress enough is um, all the farmers that we work with, the consultants we work with, it is that grower's data. Okay, so the data well, we collect is the yeah. grower's data. We're just helping to make some value out of it. And I think that's a good point to make because I just shared this on the podcast the other day, but Farm Journal did a study that said, I won't name names, but we can guess what the whole <laughs> what the whole situation was related yeah. to when it comes to Farm Day, but it yeah. said that less than 20% of farmers are confident in their data security and who owns the data. Well, and the thing is, like, I don't know, I've, been, I've had actually a couple different talks about this today already, and it's like, our farm data is everywhere. Your data is out there. If you're sharing it somewhere, the, a lot of these groups they're probably selling it to somebody else. It's just the way it is. Like there is really no privacy anymore. We're trying to fix that. We're trying to make sure that the value in the, so we, we say we help to facilitate the transfer of the data and make sure that the farmer actually gets value as that data is utilized. Okay, so we're providing value, number one, just by saying here's how your data shapes up against the aggregated data set. You never get to see anybody else's data. Nobody else gets to see your data. But if you want to utilize that information to fit into a carbon market or a sustainably sourced market or share that information with your landowner or with your retailer or with your um, the uh, for compliance paperwork, some of those things where we can help you to to utilize the data and to transfer it, we can do that. Um, but the grower has to say, yep, I give you permission to uh, to help me to transfer this data. Got it. So then looking one step further at this new app, do I have to buy it? I, I mean, on your website, it says this tool is free for everyone to use. Why is it free, yep. Mitchell? How are you going to? Well, I mean, you're a business. Yep. No, it's totally free to get started. And the, and the key there is I want people to be able to go and try. Okay, it's, it's free to get started, which means you can go to continuumagdlc.com or directly to um, topsoil.ag, and you can plug in a couple fields, start playing around with it. Um, there, a lot of the tools that we offer, soil data analytics, aerial imagery, soil sampling, there's, there's costs associated with that. Okay, so free to get started with anything in ag that doesn't get you too far. Um, but well, where we want that to kick in is when you're really getting some major value out of the platform. You're participating in uh, the technology. You're participating in the aggregated data sets. You're feeding information into the platform, and you're getting value back. Other groups have looked at doing that same type of thing where it's kind of the community of data. 
the key thing for us is we're able to create consistent data because we're working directly with the soil labs. We're providing consistent metrics, consistent methodology for collecting data um, and moving to things like remote sensing, aerial imagery, soil sensors, real-time analytics. Those things are going to help us to create consistency, to create um, value at scale. Um, it's really not expensive, though. Even like our full-blown program, um, it's not more expensive than what you've currently been paying for, for soil sampling and fertility recommendations. So, so I'm really happy with how we're able to, to bring a lot of value um, and help our, our customers to recoup a return on investment. Well, this is really exciting stuff, Mitchell. Again, remind folks how they can find this tool. Yeah, so continuumagllc.com. We might have to, uh, to link that in. Continuum's kind of a, a uh, an interesting name. It's got some, uh, it's got a full story behind it. But um, you know, in terms of just continuing to do better, and and uh, we're looking at agriculture not as a one size fits all continuum, but getting to the individual components of that continuum, field by field, and even even sub categorizing it further than that down to the microscopic level of our soils you know and that's where we've got the technology to, to come into play so yeah continuumagllc.com um, i'm all over uh, i'm uh, kind of all over social media and stuff too so people can definitely find me there as well awesome well mitchell thanks so much for joining today yeah thanks for having me on delaney Well, again, a big thank you there to Mitchell. Interesting stuff. He's always been a pioneer when it comes to soil data and soil analytics. I think this new tool is really neat to use and it's free at a base level. So you might as well check it out, see if it would work for your operation, dig through it. And you can find that on again on his website, continuumagllc.com. Check that out. And while you're on the Internet scoping around, why don't you hit up agnewsdaily.com. That is the home of the Ag News Daily podcast, as well as connections to a bunch of other fantastic podcasters who are part of the Global Ag Network. Connect with us there and be sure to interact with us on social media. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Ag News Daily. With that, Delaney, should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go. Let's let them go. 